I'm Gary Nall. We're going to go directly to our phone. We're standing by in Portland, Oregon, to continue with Conversations with the Remarkable Minds series is Professor Amit Goswami. Nice to have you with us today. Good to be here, Gary. I think one of the areas that listeners may have some difficulty understanding is the relationship between quantum physics and our mind and consciousness. And then by extension, how can this be applied to what you refer to as quantum activism, which pertains to the way we act in the world to bring about constructive change? So I would like you to take your time, no interruptions from me, and introduce us to quantum dimension of consciousness, how this is at odds with and even in conflict with our dominant view of materialistic thinking, which rules most sciences today, and then relate this to how we make choices and act upon those choices in either a positive or negative manner. Well, now that is the that is a tall order, but you know this is the great news that quantum physics can and is uh, making connections with uh, our free choice, freedom of choice. Uh, quantum physics is showing us how quantum physics is connecting consciousness with physics. Um, the breakthrough began when we recognized that quantum physics is physics of possibilities. So the question uh, arose that, so what converts possibility into actual events of our experience? When an observer sees, looks at a quantum object, the observer does not see possibilities. Observer sees an actual event. Somehow, a multifaceted possibility has become a single faceted object. A wave of possibility, so to speak, has become a particle, an actual particle, localized at, in one point of space. So um, this is a mystery. Why? Because quantum physics doesn't have a clue. Quantum mathematics stubbornly declares that material interactions, if you posit that matter is everything, like materialists do, uh, and material interactions produce everything, uh, quantum physics, quantum mathematics stubbornly maintains that material interactions can only convert possibility into other possibility. Never can convert possibility into actuality. This is a mathematical theorem, first proven by the great mathematician John von Neumann. So there's absolutely no way to solve this observer effect problem uh, within staying, staying within the materialist paradigm namely that matter is everything and material interactions are the only source of causality in the world. And there you go, there is the opening. So uh, our observation converts possibilities into actuality, so we must have a non-material component. But of course, this, uh, when it was first suggested, for Newman himself suggested it, but this is dualism. How does non-material object, non-material consciousness interact with matter? Dualism uh, is not philosophically, scientifically tenable. So this uh, then became a huge uh, uh, ongoing investigation, and after many decades, finally the solution came. I was instrumental in it, other people too. Um, solution came that consciousness is the ground of all being. And the possibilities we are choosing from are possibilities of consciousness itself. In other words, matter is embedded in consciousness. 
instead of saying that uh, consciousness is a material phenomenon, which is the materialist belief, brain produces consciousness, we are saying no, consciousness is the base, and consciousness produces brain by choosing from brain possibilities and possibilities of every other object. This does two things. First of all, it says, okay, we have choice, we have the freedom to choose, we have creativity, we have free will, all that. So it empowers us. The second thing it does is that the materialist science gives a very poor rendition of what is important to us, our subtle, the internal experiences, our thoughts, our feelings, our intuitions. Materialism either ignores some of it, like intuition, uh, materialists don't believe in it. Creativity, materialists don't believe in it. Uh, feelings, materialists don't believe in it. Materialists believe in some parts of thinking because computers can process some parts of thinking. Some parts of thinking are computable. So materialist thinking has been limiting us who we are in a major way, which is now showing up in such crisis as you love, Gary, to talk about. Um, crisis like global warming, uh, terrorism, economic meltdown. This crisis to a large extent, although media will never say it except uh, people like you, large extent is due to the reality, poverty, the poverty of our worldview. We have bought into materialism and it limits us and because it limits us, we uh, don't act properly with our problems. We exacerbate the problems and this is all because of ignorance. So the worldview got to change and quantum physics already is changing it because without this change in metaphysics, consciousness is the ground of being, not matter. We cannot understand, we cannot make sense of quantum physics. So once you have this basic background, the basic intro, once consciousness enters physics, once we have free will, once we have creativity, what happens is that we can solve the problems of the world. So what is there to do? The vested interests, of course, um, will be conservative. They will not right away acknowledge, although that is the spirit of science, but believe you me, you are quite aware of it, and I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of it. Uh, science has lost its uh, ideals. Uh, partly because of the very limited worldview, partly because there's too much money involved in science. So everybody has become very territorial. If you give up some of the territory to consciousness research, then the fear is that uh, their bread and butter will be affected. This also uh, has affected the openness of scientists towards new ideas in a major way. So we have activism to do, activism in a twofold way. First of all, the quantum principles themselves help us to change. Quantum principles themselves shows us how to change the society as well. So uh, what I'm suggesting, quantum activism, is the idea of using the principle of quantum physics to change ourselves and our society so that our social problems can be solved, so that we don't remain stagnant anymore in terms of human evolution, so that we can get the job done. And the job is to become better and better um, uh, representer of what is ideal, what is valued to us. To be able to use the energies of love for one thing, to see justice for another thing, to be good to each other, 
these are the essential components of humanity that we have forgotten under the aegis of materialism. Okay, is that good enough introduction? That is a terrific introduction. And what I'd like to do now is try to make this understandable in lay language. Most people confuse mind, primarily in the context of our ego-centered subjective observer of the world and ourselves, with it being consciousness. So could you just give us examples of the difference between when we do know that we are acting from a higher consciousness rather than from our ego, especially in light, and I'll just give you one example. Uh, today, uh, the president is doing a, or today or tomorrow, I forget what it is, he's uh, coming to do uh, some uh, birthday stuff. And he had people pay for a plate, and it was a big amount. Um, I, was, I didn't verify this, but I sold $30,000 a plate. And he would go from table to table, hobnobbing with people, and then he went to two different uh, dinners in his name, and then off he goes. Now, I, I was more interested in not the fact that you know, people were going to pay to come to his birthday, but who was there. And the person that he spent the most time with, and the person who was considered the most significant at this birthday party, is a man who runs an equity partnership and another one who runs a hedge fund, these two guys. Now, I've done a lot of programs on what it means when you're a hedge fund and when you're an equity partnership. An equity partnership goes in, finds a well-run company that has very little debt, gets, uh, buys it out, loads it up with massive debt, and then... Uh, takes that debt that it's loaded up as its profits. So if they buy a company for $10 million, they they end up borrowing $50 million. So the $40 million is their profit. Now the company has to struggle just to maintain itself in paying back all this debt. And then it has to lay off employees. Now I've estimated that approximately 28 million Americans have lost their jobs from these corporate takeovers and the downsizing. So when you hear the word corporate takeover, or corporate raider, or equity partnership, which is a new sanitized version, you're still dealing with people who are coming from unmitigated greed, no consciousness, strict materialism, because you see then how much they can buy, the biggest yacht, the biggest mansions, the biggest townhouse, the most expensive uh, this, the most expensive that. And these are the people that positions of power are gravitating to. The media love to talk about them, they highlight them, they praise them, and they make these people seem as if these are the highest pinnacles that a society can reach because look they can have dinner with Ann Wintour though, though I think she's you know just just an angry woman but be that as it may uh, these people all congregate together and it's like a den of rattlesnakes there you could have 10,000 rattlesnakes in a den out in Arizona during the winter and none of them are immune to each other's poison but they don't bite each other uh, they coexist these these vipers and I see this amongst all these Republican and all these Democratic fundraisers, they got the same people. They got the hedge fund honchos that will, like George Soros, who's a darling of the left, he makes his money in the most unethical manner. He makes it by trading in currencies and manipulating currencies and commodities that someone else may starve to death because he manipulated the price of rice or wheat. And so, but the President of the United States prides himself on being able to fill room with the people who are the underlying cause of all of our misery and disasters on Wall Street. These are the very people who are at these fundraisers. So in our society, we do not have enough consciousness or insight to see that the very people we praise and, and uh, adulate are the very people 
who are causing everyone else to suffer. So if you can in any way show us this higher consciousness versus ego-driven reality, that would be very helpful to us. Well, uh, what we need to see, Gary, is um, that the worldview is at fault. And this is, uh, this is the unfortunate thing. Very few people can go that far. I mean, it, it, it's easy to um, see these superficial symptoms. Greed is a symptom. Uh, we have these greed circuits in our brains, so the tendencies are everywhere. Uh, I mean, you and I, believe you me, uh, also have the same tendency as these people are having. What's the difference? The difference is that um, if you cultivate positive emotions, then you can balance the greed, so you don't have to act on the greed. So, but if you don't have uh, the prerogative of cultivating positive emotions, then what? Uh, this is what the materialist worldview has done. It has uh, eaten away the fundamental basis of why should people invest in ethical, in loving, in just behavior. Because these things are denigrated in the materialist worldview. As soon as this is understood, then you will see that uh, fundamental activism Quantum activism is a fundamental activism. It, it is not an activism to uh, get into the superficial symptoms, but, but concentrate on the fundamental place where change needs to happen. And this is where your question also becomes relevant. The, in materialism, only the ego exists. Well, ego, even the ego really doesn't exist, but, but the ego is a conditioned uh, behavior, and the conditioned behaviors can be explained as a result of evolution, psychosocial conditioning, genetics, and all that. So in that sense, uh, something like the ego can be admitted, can be permitted in the materialist way of looking at things. The new view is saying that at the ego level, we don't have choice. We are conditioned. And indeed, we would be greedy, and we would be angry, and we would be lusty, and we will be um, all that because of our brain circuits, because of our conditioning. But the new view also clearly says that beyond the ego, we have freedom to choose. At the ego level, we don't have any freedom to choose, although it seems that way. You know, we can choose between flavors of ice cream, to be sure. But it's really conditioned choice. As soon as you recognize it and, and realize that beyond this, we have real freedom of choice that allows us to be what is in our potential to be. In the olden days, we used to uh, take pride in the fact that we can love someone. We used to take pride that justice can prevail. We used to take pride that we can appreciate beauty. Today, as you said very correctly, we take pride in displaying this greed openly. A president is having a dinner because a fellow has agreed to pay $30,000 for the dinner. Uh, so society has come down that far. And uh, this uplifting this society to make positive emotions of value once again, to make creativity and freedom to choose of value once again is a daunting task, but we have to begin somewhere and we have to do it, and we have to do it because it's inevitable. The movement of consciousness uh, is going through a tough time right now because of materialism. It's moving backwards, but the evolutionary pressure on us is also very clear that uh, evolution demands that these values make a comeback in our lives, and they will. 
but we can hasten it with uh, the kind of distinction of ego versus what is beyond ego, higher self, higher consciousness from which we can act, which we can learn to activate. Uh, we can be creative. It's now very clear. Anyone can be creative. So it is, it is a quantum activism is a program. It's a manifesto of how to fulfill the potential of what we are capable of instead of staying in the gutter. I appreciate those insights. Right now we are, I believe most of us would agree that our culture, our global human community, nature, the oceans, the land, the skies, are in serious danger of spiraling into a state we might think of as chaos, a, a breakdown leading to randomness. Nature does not care about our political affiliations and a different policies enacted. It doesn't care about the particular religious beliefs we subscribe to. It doesn't care about what we own and the size of our stock portfolios. Rather, it responds to the conditions present in a neutral manner according to the particular universal laws of nature. Now, given that humans are part of the web of natural quantum laws, our molecules in our body act the same as in other life forms down to the bacterium. What should this tell us about our true relationship to the planet and the universe? Well, it clearly tells us that we are part of uh, an ecology ecosystem. It clearly tells us that, that the interests of all life forms is our own interest. And it tells us more. Um, we can go a little bit further. Uh, you know, the word ecology uh, came from two Greek words. One is ikos, which means place, and the other one is logos, which means knowledge. So knowledge of place uh, is ecology. But the place we live in, uh, we don't just live in the physical universe. We also live in, in our mind. We also live in our feelings. We also live in our intuitive world. So when this internal world is recognized, we see clearly that ecology of the world outside of us is very shallow ecology. We have to supplant this with a deep ecology. Arnie Ness, uh, a Swedish environmentalist, started this movement. Quantum physics is strongly supporting it because we really need to take care of both of our places, internal and external. And when we do that, then these, these values come back. Then the idea of processing of meaning comes back, and then we truly become human beings with uh, the resurgence of activity in all of our dimensions of, uh, that we are capable of. Right now, we have become extremely narrow in our pursuit. Basically, we um, are rational beings, pursue those things that can be reasonable, and of course, uh, when that doesn't happen, we fall into prey uh, to these negative emotions, which are built into us as instincts from uh, evolution. So we, become, we have become extremely narrow in our behavior. We have to make some efforts. We have to exert our freedom to choose. We have to become creative, bring these positive emotions back in our life, recognize that uh, there is a way of living. And, and, and just a few decades ago, people used to live those um, that way. People used to be able to love. People used to be able to uh, make a lot of changes. You know, in the 20th century, you have made huge amounts of changes in terms of justice, for example. Today, we are going back, you know, these scandals of recent times, um, they are again symptoms. Racism has come, has come back. Um, so why is that? Because with materialism eating away at the values that we covet, 
uh, we are becoming narrow in our approach, too narrow to even value the importance of love, justice, goodness, and all these things that we have always coveted, and which is in our future, which is in our evolution. It's, it's coming. So uh, the task is daunting, uh, but you know, uh, there are people, as uh, you were saying in the last show, I heard it, um, 50 million people have watched this uh, film that you have made. Um, so, you know, there is hope. Uh, there is a movement. And uh, quantum activism, likewise, is, a, is a, you know, is, I think it's, it's becoming more popular. I also have made a video called The Quantum Activist. And I have written a book, which is coming out next year, called um, How Quantum Activism Can Save Civilization. And I mean it, Gary. I mean, I'm serious. It can. And uh, we have laid out in, in this book uh, how a spiritual economics can be built, solving this problem that you are talking about, the greed and these hedge funds, and, you know, how uh, these things are taking economics in a backward way, and how, what is the way forward. We can have a new um, invigoration of democracy by uh, replacing power to dominate uh, with power to bring more meaning into all people's lives. We can have uh, education, which is geared not only to the three R's, but also to creativity, inspiration, imagination, you know, three eyes, insights, those things. So uh, it's coming. It's, it's, it's it, the, the antidote to materialism, antidote to these problems that you were talking about that, that concerns all of us is right here in the new worldview. It is, uh, the work is twofold. First of all, you have to change the worldview. That is, that is a priority. And uh, people like you uh, should come forward and see that we have to, not only have to deal with the symptoms, of course that is important, but we also have to deal with the root cause and really have to uh, remove this cancerous uh, worldview that you have adapted, materialism, from our schools, from our workplace, from our government, from our own heart and mind, and replace it with a worldview which is inclusive, which does not exclude science like the old spiritual worldview. It is a new form of spirituality which is inclusive, includes everyone, includes the atheist, because God in this spiritual worldview is objective. It's a scientific God. So it's, a, it's an enormous opportunity to see us in an integrative, in a holistic way that has never happened before in human history. I. I just want to conclude with this thought. Um, you've explained to us in very reasonable terms that are easy to understand the mentality confined to reductionism and mechanism thinking and how if we act upon that we're a contributor to the degradation that we're witnessing today. In fact, I'm going to be doing a commentary in a moment upon the real reason that people in the Gulf area uh, are aligning themselves with more deep water drilling instead of being opposed to it. And you speak of goodness, you've spoken of beauty and truth and love in your discussion. These are all archetypes that can help transform the world and these should be understood in a quantum manner and your work shows us the quantum manner. So by taking the journey 
to show how each of these four archetypes can be appreciated at a quantum level. And that means promoting real change in the world. So I do not see at this moment any of the world leaders, certainly not in the United States, being the architects of this type of quantum change because they're so embedded in the reductionist, uh, me, 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 uh, I'm, I'm going to go with who gave me the money instead of going with my conscience and going with what is a universal truth, a natural truth. So by people in this audience, many of whom entertain more spiritual-oriented thoughts, but then their subconscious thinking, their lifestyle, and their means of livelihood are contrary to the ideas of their spiritual idealism. And running off and reading a book by Deepak or a tape by Wayne Dyer doesn't change that. That's just a part of this new kind of... A faux spiritualism. It's not real. On the outside, it looks real because people can talk it and say, oh, I read this book, watch this video. Yeah, but what are you doing to make it a better world? At the end of the day, I'm going to make my judgments based upon what I see people actually doing. So if we entertain spiritual thoughts, it should not be that difficult for most people to truly enact upon them and align those thoughts with everything else in their lives, even if at that moment they may be the only pe person in their immediate vicinity with those alignments. But I'd rather align with the universal truth than align with external realities that support the feel-good notion of the moment, but have nothing to do with a true quantum belief. Your final thoughts, please. Okay, so this is, this is wonderfully, wonderfully said. Uh, all I will add is that, um, you know, uh, what is one of the other consequences of the new, new physics, the new uh, science? Uh, when we do, when we acknowledge uh, that science can be done within this uh, wonderfully inclusive worldview, consciousness is the ground of all being. One of the most wonderful things that, that happens is that um, we recognize that we can be creative. We recognize that we can actually change. You know, uh, our current president got elected on a, a slogan of change, um, but, and he talked about real change, but of course, Real change is very difficult to make, as you made it very clear, with the materialist worldview, with the materialist mindset. Real change requires real change of worldview to begin with. That's called right thinking in spiritual traditions. We need to think right. But that's not the end of it, right? Thinking is just a beginning, right? Thinking that quantum physics allows us to is just the beginning. And then with that solid beginning, we can begin the arduous journey of transformation. So if you are, you know, one of the other uh, thing that I must say that only a few people, this is part of the consequences of our theories today, only a few people can change the world. So if you are one of the 50 millions who are enthused by idealism, who are enthused by these values, love, beauty, justice, truth, goodness, then join us, become a quantum activist, become one of those few people who will make a wave that can disturb the universe. Become a quantum activist. Join now, good, today. Good for you. And one of the ways you can do that is to get informed. Go to quantumactivist.com, quantumactivist.com, or Amit, A-M-I-T, uh, Goswami, G-O-S-W-A-M-I.org. Amikoswami.org or quantumactivist.com, and also you can read the book, uh, The Self-Aware Universe. Thank you very much. As always, it's a pleasure to talk with you. I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Gary.
I'm Gary Knoll. That is a, a continuation of our conversations with Remarkable Minds with Professor Amit Goswami, quite simply one of the most brilliant thinkers in the world today.